Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. My friends, today I'm going to take on one of the sacred cows of our society, and that is work. One of the statements that's out there in almost every self-help book in the world is work is man's best friend. It gives you an identity. It gives you a place to be every day. It gives you an ability to earn income to support yourself and your family. So there's absolutely nothing bad about work that you can come up with if you look at it from the point of view of everything you've been taught your entire life. In fact, your entire life you've been taught that there's nothing more prideful than having a good job. You're going to go to school, you're going to get good grades so you can get into a good college, so you can get good grades at that college, so you can eventually get into a good job, so you can have a cubicle somewhere, so you can belong to some company, and you can brag about that company's results, even though those braggings and those results do nothing to put more money in your pocket and or to create financial freedom for yourself. So today I'm going to take this giant sacred cow on, and I'm going to hit it from two or three or four different angles. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe work is the basic starting point for everything, but it is the end-all be-all because there's no additional education. That would be like, wow, first through fifth grade, grade school is incredibly important for you. In fact, it's so important you should stay there for the rest of your life. In fact, if you could stay in grade school for the rest of your life, think how great you would be somewhere down the line. Could you imagine me? Six foot tall, 250 pound bodybuilder has multi-millions of dollars in fifth grade. Can you imagine the power I could wield? I could be president of any group. I could run Congress and Senate. I could, I could dominate and manipulate everybody around me. All I'd have to do is just remain in fifth grade and be the big fish in a small pond. And that's what basically people do. As you get a job and you go to work and your job and your goal is to grow in the company and to become the big fish in this small little pond or even in a larger pond and eventually into a very large pond. But the bottom line is you're still a fish in fish school. They swim around together. They spend time together. And then they eventually eat each other. You know, there's, there's no way you can survive the fact that schooling does not produce you a life that is completely different and well above the expectations of the school. You are just like everybody else in the school. When the school turns left, your fear makes you turn left. That's sort of protection mode. Right. That is their protection. Birds fly in flocks, fish swim in schools, because as they're going a direction and something fearful happens, the entire flock or the entire school changes directions radically and goes the other directions. Just like you and every one of your friends, relatives and family members have money in the stock market. And when the stock market crashes, there's a knee jerk response. 
And when the stock market goes up, there's a knee-jerk response. And everything you've ever been taught, right, everything you've ever been taught is definitely going to be controlled and manipulated by what the school or the flock believes to be true. And what I'm here today to talk about is becoming an eagle. Eagles don't flock. Eagles live high, high, high in the cliffs, way above everybody else. And they live there because they don't flock. They are the dominant animal out there, right? So what I want you to do is I want you to today is to understand that I'm not saying that you shouldn't get a job. I'm saying a job is the starting point and that the job is not the end all be all. And the job has some negative consequences to it, which we all know are true. At some point in your life, if you continue on with your job, you realize you're going to get into a rut. You're going to get married and have a family. You're going to get stuck in a house. You're going to get into debt. You're going to have car and automobile bills, and you're going to have kids and raise kids, and they're going to take up all your time and the house and the kids and take up in your job, take up all your time and driving to work and coming home from work. And you know what it's like. And all of a sudden, one day, You're living that life of quiet desperation. Or some of you, you're screaming, I can't stand this anymore. And you're not living a life of quiet desperation. You're living a life of total desperation, screaming, kicking, fighting desperation to where you get in a fight with your spouse and you end up getting a divorce and you see it over and over again. Then you got to fight over the kids. And I hear these stories every day over and over again. You don't know where you're at on your path. You maybe only have had some of the problems that occurred. Maybe you've been able to just mellow out and accept your plight. Some slaves accepted their plight as slaves. They didn't really fight back. And maybe you've come to that point in your life of quiet desperation. There's no fighting back. There's just existing. So those of you out there, that, that that's an offense to you mentally. If I tell you, you're just a slave going through work every day. Think about going to jail. What do you do in jail? You get up at the same time every day. They feed you every day, probably pretty close to the same thing. You go to whatever your job is in the jail and you do that. You maybe get an hour for exercise. Then You go back to your cell, and you do whatever you do in your cell, and then you go to bed, you get up, and you do it all over again, and you do that for the rest of your life, or for the five years or the 10 years or whatever it is, you're trapped, right? And you become a slave within this trapped environment. How is that any different than being forced to get up every single day at the same time, put on the clothes, the the uniform, the same striped uniform that you have to put on every day to go to work? just like a prisoner, has to put on a striped uniform and go to work, drive through this just tremendous carnage of automobiles to get to work, hour maybe, get to work and then get on the grind and grind and grind and grind, only to have your boss come over and give you some kind of garbage. We're not fast enough. We're not good enough. We didn't meet last month's quota, or maybe we met last month's quota, which means we have to raise the quota. And so what life brings to you is this massive amount of stress, right? It brings to you the ability to eat up your entire life, suck it up, absorb it, take you out of the real world where the joy and the fun and the excitement is, even if you were happily married, eventually it will wear away at your marriage, at your relationship with your kids and so forth. 
And so work itself, as beneficial it is as a jumpstart to wealth, it is eventually the killer of all wealth. Because once you have this job and you fall into all of these things where you have all the the uh, appendages that come with this lifestyle, you're now sunk in debt. Your money's racked away in a 401k where you can't get it. You have a miserable life at work. And maybe you even like your job. Maybe you're somebody who likes your job. Then you've got the situation where you're a workaholic. And we have those too. You, you know, you can be a drugaholic, an alcoholic, a sexaholic. You can be a workaholic. And some of you out there that are listening to this know what I mean. You get up and you go to work. And, and if, even if they cut back, like self-employed people this way, even if you cut back and say, wow, I'm under control. Things are fine. Now I can take it easy. They just add more stuff. They add more stuff to do. They finish one project, so they start two. And so, again, you're wrapped up in work. Work, 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 work. That's all there is. That's the secret, right? So how do we get into this belief? And I want to take it one step further before we get, before I answer that question, I'm going to bring this point to you. Do you realize it's possible to retire a multimillionaire? With very little work. Now, I'm not saying no work at all, but I'm saying very little work. And what if I told you that you could not and would not be allowed to get a raise ever? Right? This is the way my employees work at my company. This is a logical way for you to look at work. This is a job, it has a job description. You're being employed to do that job. And you may enjoy doing this particular task, or you may not. It's irrelevant, but you do it with a smile anyway. And you will get paid a certain amount of income. When you have obtained enough income, then you can quit your job. Today we're talking about the downfalls of employment and why it's not the end-all, be-all. It's a sacred horse, that's for sure. You know, everybody wants employment. Here we are with the lowest unemployment ever in the United States of America, and still people are unhappy. Still people are not satisfied. Still people are voting against a president that brought them the lowest unemployment ever. Now they're trying to impeach him and get rid of him. It's all, you know, here we are. We should be the happiest people in the entire world. We're at the lowest unemployment ever. Right. And that's for every minority out there. Every minority out there has got the lowest unemployment. So why are people still unhappy? Right. Um, Banking on the fact that they're not all just lunatics. We got to go to a more logical approach to realize that employment creates problems. Employment is not the end all be all. People don't really want to work. Work isn't ends to a means, right? Or is a means to an end. I'm sorry, I got it backwards. It's a means to an end. And the end is you'd like to have a good life. But you don't have a good life because you're spending all your life working. Now, what is the root cause of all this? The root cause of all this is because you believe the only way to earn money is to work. And so, like I was saying when we went to break and I had to cut off, is that basically what if you could not be allowed and would not be allowed to earn more money at work? That's the way my employees work. They take a job. They get paid a certain amount of pay. They're told up front. There are no promotions and there is no uh, income increase. There's no um, raises. 
And people, they agree to it when they, they first start working, but by the end of it, they realize that they've always really believed that there was going to be. Even when I tell them there's not, they believe there's going to be a raise somewhere. Hey, I've been here longer. And this is just like your little kid crying to you. It's the same little crybaby thing. Daddy, daddy, I'm 14. I can't live on the same allowance I had when I was 13. You know, it's the same thing. I'm, I've been with you three years. I need to earn more. I can't afford my, my family's costs are going up. Well, that's not my fault as an employer. The employer has no responsibility to take care of you. Where did you come up with that socialistic idea that from cradle to grave, somebody's going to take care of you? It just isn't true. Right now, I know the socialists want it to be true. I know that's why the people of the generation right now are voting that way. They want to be taken care of. And since companies have realized they can't do that, there's no more cradle-to-grave employment. There's not only not only there's not only no cradle-to-grave employment, there's no pensions. And so the bottom line is, is you come, you get a job, you work, and you're gone. It's the same thing I've been teaching and preaching for years. And then when somebody comes to me and says, well, I'm worth more now. I've been around longer. I'm worth more. I say, no, you're right. You are worth more. But this job isn't. This job has a pay grade, and that's what I'm going to pay you and or if you don't want to be there, the next person that does the job. And you say, well, you lose qualified people. Yes, but you have to keep your payroll real. And if you don't keep your payroll real, then you don't stay in business as a business person. So I'm not advocating for the business people. Don't get me wrong. That's not the argument I'm making. The argument I'm making is you should just know that. You should be smart enough to see that that's the way it really works. Now, if you ever owned your own business, you'd understand that. But you don't because you come from cradle-to-grave involvement. From the very beginning, I go to school, somebody takes care of my butt. I go to high school, somebody takes care of my butt. I go to college, somebody's taking care of my butt. And by the time I get out of college, I expect my boss to take care of my butt. It's no different. I've been taken care of since I was a kid. I expect to get taken care of now. Right. And then when I get old, what do you expect? I expect my kids to take care of me. Right. Somebody is going to take care of me throughout my entire life. That's the expectation. But what if they told you you couldn't? What if I told you the only way you're going to make more money in life is if you take a portion of what you earn, put it aside, invest it wisely so that every year as you invest more, you earn more. And you keep doing that every year and every year you will earn more and you'll be in a higher and higher and higher income bracket because of your passive income. Your work will never get harder. Nothing will ever get more complicated in your life. You won't have to go from 40 hours a week to 60 to 80 hours a week to be able to get paid more money. You will just make more money. And at some point, you'll make more money on your passive income than you do on your earned income. And at that point, you're going to have to make a very big decision. And that big decision is, am I able and willing to stay at this standard of living right now and give up my job? Or do I want to keep my job and continue to grow my standard of living through my passive investments? But here's what you don't understand. Is that since the time that I've retired every year since then, I've made more money. And that's at 35 years of age. I've made more money every year. So you can imagine by the time I'm 63 from 30, whatever it was, 34, you realize it's a lot more money. In other words, it goes up a little bit every year for 30 years. That's a lot of money. 
And I'm not telling you that again to impress you or to impress, you know, in any way, shape or form. I'm trying to impress upon you that what you think to be true the day you quit your job as income stops growing is not true when you do what we do, which is build passive streams of income. You continue to build more passive streams of income every year and you continue to have more money every year. That's the way the deal really works. Now, why do we all believe, right? Why do we all believe that we have to work for a living? Well, it's ingrained to us as a child. Let's take a look at it. There's a thing called a belief system, cycle of life belief system that works like your beliefs lead to your desires, your desires lead to your actions, and your actions create results. And then those results either confirm or deny whatever you believe to be true. So in the beginning, your belief is, and I remember it, you know, I came when I was coming out, I was in college and I went back to my dad and I said, dad, you know, I'm a junior. I'm really, I'm not seeing the value to this. I want to get out there and make my million bucks in the real world. I need to get out and I'm going to quit. I thought my dad would be upset. Not at all. He said, that's fine, boy. Man's got to do what a man's got to do. I was kind of surprised by that statement. He said, but you know what that means? I said, what? He said, boy, that means it's time to go. You got to move out. You got to leave. See, it's not like it is today where kids live with their parents to 30, 35, 40 years of age, still living at home, raise their own kids there. No, back then, the second you got out of school, it was done. You had to go earn money. And I said, well, dad, then how do, how do I take care of myself? He says, boy, this is America. You can do anything you want to do. I said, do you have a suggestion? He said, yeah, get a job. I thought for a second. I didn't like the idea. I said, Dad, do you have another suggestion? He goes, yeah, get one that pays. And so I had no choice. I had to go get a job. So my desire was a job. So my actions were to go apply for jobs. And the result was I got a job. And when I had a job, I went to work. And the result of that was I got a paycheck. And the paycheck itself ultimately is what ruined me. I remember the first time I saw one, I go, wow, this is how you make money. This is great. And at that point was the beginning of the rest of my life. Ah, the negative part of my life, I will say, the demise of my life, I might say, but the beginning of the rest of my life. We'll take a short break and talk about how I broke out of this cycle of abuse called work and employment. Lifestyles Unlimited member retires in 10 months. The hardest part for me was to drop off my son, go to a job that I absolutely hated for five years, but know that that was a sacrifice that I needed to make, and then only be able to get to spend two hours with him after school before he had to go back to bed. So that's why once we started and we joined Lifestyles, we said, okay, we have a roadmap. We know what we're gonna do. And then a month later, we find out we're pregnant with baby number two, and we're like, okay, we gotta kick it up a notch. So that's how we were able to purchase four different properties and um, replace in 10 months, replace my income in 10 months so that whenever I finished maternity leave, I didn't have to go back to work. 
I think a, I think a couple weeks before she baby came out is when we closed on her fourplex and that was enough for her not to have to go back to work. Are you ready for your roadmap to real estate retirement? Attend the online free workshop just like Carolina did. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today what we're doing is we are taking a shot at that sacred horse or sacred cow or whatever it's called. I guess it's a sacred cow, the Indian cows, where the statement comes from. And it, it's about the job and as being a sacred cow, everybody believes it's a great thing and the world wants to be in zero unemployment and so forth. But the bottom line is people are still miserable once they have a job because a job doesn't do what you really want, which is to produce passive income so that you can retire and live a life that you really would enjoy doing the things you want to do, the things that rich people do. Now, not all rich people, because some rich people are rich because they're workaholics. So there's a difference here, and I'm going to make that point right now. So when we go on, we don't get those two confused. But when you look at the situation here, and you know, we go back to the point right before the break where I was saying, I got this job because my dad told me I need to get a job. I worked and I got a paycheck, and the paycheck ruined me because now I linked it up in my brain. There it was, just like Pavlov's dog. It was linked up. Ding dong, the bell goes. Paycheck is the ding dong, and I get money. And so work money, work money, work money. And then one day they said, Dell, would you like to work extra hours? I've got a guy that can't come in. You can pick up a shift. And I said, sure, I'll pick up a shift. So I picked up a shift, and, and, and they explained something to me about overtime. Overtime is God's gift to ignorant people that don't realize that God gave us one limited resource on this earth, and that's time. And so instead of working an eight-hour shift, you work a 16-hour shift because you can make more money. Why do you care you can make more money? Because you know no other way to make more money. So I picked up all the overtime hours I could make, and I was making a lot of money, but it also made my boss happy that I was willing to work that much, but he was getting tired of paying me overtime. So finally, one day, my boss promoted me. And I came home and I told my dad, I said, Dad, I just got promoted. I'm vice president of Georgia Orange Juice at the grocery store. My dad laughed at me. He said, you're an idiot. He said, look, people don't promote you for any reason other than to get more work out of you for less pay. I said, what? That doesn't make any sense at all. They promote me because I'm good and I work hard. Yes, you are good and you do work hard, but you're getting paid too much to do the job. Companies can't afford to pay more than what the job is worth. So they'd rather get rid of you and hire two other people and pay them no overtime. I said, why didn't they just fire me? Because they figured out they could put you in a management position. If you're dumb enough to not understand what management position means, it basically means this. We can work you 60 hours a week with no overtime if you're a manager trainee or a manager. And so now, Dell, they're going to work you double shifts, maybe even extra days a week. And you're going to get paid no additional income. I go, Dad, that can't be true. That can't even be legal. It is true. And it is legal. And so now your life has stepped into managerial hell. Now, everything that goes wrong is your fault. Everything that goes right is the employee's gain. They go, ooh, that's a great employee. Boom, the employee doesn't produce. Boy, you're terrible. You're terrible at hiring. You're terrible at training. You're terrible at everything. So now you eventually, as a managerial position, realize you're getting all the crap and none of the pay. And you'll eventually want to go back to doing the job. You go, man, just let me back to just doing the job. Don't make me responsible for all these other people. You know, it's just not worth it. I'd rather, and I actually, I got paid more because I got overtime, right? 
And so eventually people drop out of management that are smart. The ones that don't drop out are the ones that are dumb ones. Management is the worst place to be in an employment environment. Now, you just don't want to admit this. You don't want to agree to it. Some of you will because you're going through the hell of being a manager of some kind. And it's managerial, supervisory. It just, you know, you have different terms they use. Shake these things up. I've never understood. Is a manager hiring a supervisor, a supervisor hiring a manager? In the company I came from, it was one way, but I've seen other companies where it's the other way around. And it's all for naught because it doesn't mean anything because you're no better off. Now, let's not even talk about the fact that now that you're busy, you're working more hours, you got more problems at home, more stress, you know, weirder hours and stuff. And so you start having problems in your relationships and your child raising. You don't have time to work out anymore. You can't eat healthy anymore. And the rest of your life is going to crap. We won't even get into all that. You're working more and getting paid less. Maybe even do give you a raise. Okay but it isn't worth what it's doing to your life. So what you don't understand is that all of this could be taken care of by having passive streams of income on the outside of your job. Whatever the struggle it is you're in your job doing, you have to do the struggle to get somewhere to earn the money. And if you were smart enough not to elevate your cost of living, which almost 99% of you are not, which means you elevate your cost of living as you elevate your paycheck, which means you're stuck, you're trapped, you can't get out. You're stuck there, right? But if you weren't and you could start building passive streams of income, at some point the passive streams would catch up and you would not be under the thumb. And that's what happened to me. Uh, I eventually got to that point to where I wasn't under the thumb. And I'll tell you that story in a minute. But first, I want to tell you the next thing that happened to me that I think happens to people. So I thought that the problem was my company. The company didn't respect me. The company didn't um, take care of me. They weren't a good company. Now, whenever I interview people for a job and they tell me this, that the company wasn't right for them, the company didn't treat them right, the company didn't you know, do the things they should have done as a company to take care of them, I call that bad boss disease. And bad boss disease is contagious. So if they thought the last company didn't take care of them, they're going to think you don't take care of them. So I don't hire people with bad boss disease. Bad boss disease means you've got a bad employee coming your way. Stay away from them. Guy came along and said, hey, I need a supervisor. I need somebody to come over and take over, you know, in charge of my entire city. Take over all my health clubs in another city. This guy lived in one city, had health clubs in the other city. I'm not going to give you a whole lot of detail because the guy's still around. And the guy was a bit of a freak. And uh, the guy was pretty well known, so I'm not going to drop his name. and I'm not going to give you enough details to figure it out. But the story was that he said he needed somebody to go out there and run his health clubs for him. So I ran out there and took some people with me. And... Um, when I got out there, I saw what the problem was with these health clubs is that uh, each health club had a girl in it that was a drug addict. Um, they would stay up all night long and party. They'd come in late. They didn't really care. They'd go out and have a, you know, whatever at lunch and blah, blah, blah. It was very easy to see where the problem was. So I fired all those people, put in, you know, decent employees, and we tripled the sales in almost no time at all. Well, I got a call from the guy. He said, look, I'm coming into town. Uh, we've got to talk. And so the guy flew into town, and he didn't ask me to pick him up. He asked these girls. What I found out was these girls lived together in a condo that he owned. And it was kind of a party condo, and I have no idea what the story is. I'm not going to, you know, predict because, you know, I don't have any proof. But the bottom line was the guy was a married guy. He'd fly into town and stay in the condo with these girls, right? And these girls were party girls. So you, you put two and two together and go to seven or one or wherever you want to go with it. But the bottom line was is that the guy came to me and said, look, here's the problem. You can't fire all my girls. You know, these employees are trusted employees for years with me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, they're, 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 
potheads or no, actually it was, I think they were more like way higher than that. Cokeheads is I think what it was, if I remember right, but that's 10 years, 15, 20 years ago. I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, actually 30 years ago. Now that I think about it, 30, 35. So, you know, they had some kind of drug, drug addiction, drug addict situation. And I said, you can't hire those people back. They can't do this job. And he goes, look, you don't understand these people, my employees, blah, 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 whatever, whatever his excuse was, you got to hire them back. And I refused to hire them back. So that was it. That story was over. I then realized this important fact about life as an employer's don't run their businesses for the benefit of the business. Employers run their benefit, run their businesses for the benefit of themselves. And if you look at all this political stuff right now, all this illegal campaign stuff, all this illegal uh, jobs that are given out by all these people that are running, you know, these things both politically, nationally, internationally, locally, and then you look at all the sex stuff that goes with it, and all this stuff that gets keeps throwing up, then you understand where business and how business is actually run in many, many cases. It's not to benefit the company's bottom line. It's to benefit the bottom line and or the uh, desires of the people at the top of the company. And I mean, that's as big as the guys in the national news media companies and all the way down the line to some small mom and pop business person. The bottom line is... You hook your wagon at star. You think that the problem was your old company. You find out the new company's even worse. And now you're psychologically devastated for life because now you realize it's not a company. It's the entire process of working for somebody else. And now you have to think about, should I do something on my own? Today, we've been talking about the uh, sacred cow of employment. And I've been trying to shed light on why it's really not all that said it's cracked up to be it's really a situation where it creates as many problems as it does solutions and especially when you think it's the end-all be-all for the rest of your life so now we've gotten to the point where you've gone through the belief system that a job was going to make your life great you thought that promotions were going to make your life great you then thought that your company was ripping you off by not giving you enough income promotions and getting you where you need to be not taking care of you cradle to grave so you feel like your company's bad your company's ripping you off so you went and tried another company and that company ripped you off even more than the first company ripped you off. And now you've come to the strange realization that, man, the whole world employment is really a ripoff. The boss doesn't you know, really care about you. Everything you've been taught about life that you should go get it in. Go get an education. That education will get you a job. That job will get you cradle to grave income and a place to work. And then after that, pensions and retirements and, the you know, just this whole fallacious dream of how life is going to be lived. When I get emails, 80% of them are nothing like that. 80% of the emails I get from people, and you're welcome to send them to me. Send them to askdell at luinc.com. I'll put them on the air if you want. Askdell at luinc.com. If you don't want me to put your story on the air, then just say, hey, keep this one confidential, um, whatever. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, when you look at these situations, you're going to, at some point in your life, come to the realization that I don't want to work anymore. And then you can decide, what can I do? And you're going to start looking for things. And you're going to go out there and look at multi-level marketing. You're going to go out there and look at franchises. You're going to look at all kinds of different things. Just day trading. There, there's a thousand different tricks out there. Or you might try to go out there and in real estate invest on your own and get your butt kicked. Taxes, tennis, toilet, trouble, problems, debt, lose your money. All these things. They're, 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 
They're not solving your problem. They're not where you need to be. You haven't got the solution yet. And yet you'll try them. And many, many people, like I've had an individual on the other day, and he, he was uh, had bought a franchise. And he was was running this franchise for multiple years. And what he realized is that the franchise is a turnkey business. What that means is if you're not there to turn the key each day, there is no business. And that he was working more hours owning his own business. And he had to pay to buy this business. Can you imagine that? You go to your boss and your boss says, look, it's going to cost you $200,000. This job you used to have used to cost you as a salesman, you know, nothing to get into. We hire you and then we pay you, right? Now, instead, what we want is you give us $250,000 and you buy the right to start selling our product. And then you give us a portion of everything you sell. And uh, so we make money right up front. You are buying yourself a job. And because you need to make ends meet, you work harder. You work twice as long. And almost everybody I run into that owns a franchise, eventually, if they can see even at all, wake up and go, boy, this just isn't that good. Um, I know a person, my next door neighbor, in fact, uh, owns donut shops all over the country. Uh, all over the city. She owns tons of donut shops. I won't say which ones, but um, franchises. And she, she's owned these for years and whatever. And made a lot of money with them because she owns a lot of them. And, uh, but, you know, this lady you know, tells her story. She gets up at 3 o'clock in the morning. She's like 65, 70 years old. And she gets up at 3 o'clock in the morning. She's got to make sure there's donuts being made in all these stores all over town. So she's up at three in the morning. She works and works and works and works and works. And after a couple of months or years of living around me and talking to my wife, she gets this idea out of nowhere. Obviously, it didn't come from me because anybody successful in business is never going to get your idea from your next door neighbor. But out of nowhere, she said, you know what? I think I should own some real estate. Now, one of her franchisees actually is a member of mine. And so she decides to go out and do real estate. And what does she do? She does it wrong. From the very beginning, she does it wrong. But you know what? Even done wrong, she still loves it. She enjoys it because she's earning money from something she doesn't have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and take care of. And she could have done a lot more, made a lot more money, done it a lot easier if she would have listened to me. But again, those people out there that are successful believe they have the Midas touch, that everything they touch is going to turn to gold. And of course, so she didn't. But luckily for her, she's still... Semi-happy with her investments. She's happy with her investments because she doesn't understand how much better she could be doing if she would have done it the right way. But here to speak is, here's a person with massive franchise success, makes lots of money, very successful financially, yet still is working like a dog in her late 60s, early 70s, whatever she is. And that just isn't right, guys. That just isn't right. Are you going to wake up when you're 65, 70 years old and realize you've got it all wrong? Isn't that a little late? At 34 years of age, after two and a half years of investing in real estate, I was able to replace my my earned income with passive income. And from that point on, I never had a get up at five o'clock in the morning, go to work, get up at six, get up at seven o'clock in the morning, go to work job for the rest of my life. I right now drive myself hard to get up by nine maybe 10 o'clock on the mornings that I do the radio shows at 11 to make sure that I've got something to say. I've got, you know, some kind of story that is worth your time to listen to. (sighs) You know, 
five, no six, no seven, no eight, no nine, maybe. You know, you just got to see it for what it is. You have a job. I do it three days a week. And uh, if I don't show up, somebody else does it for me. Wow. I own seven companies. I used to own 11. I got rid of a bunch of them. And uh, I made more money every year since I retired to now. Every year I make more money than I did the year before, or relatively. I mean, you know, there's curves. There's some years I make massive money. And that's doesn't, it averages in better, but it's, you know, it's so much more the next year you don't make more. But the, the reality is this, without getting into all the details, the bottom line is we don't do this for just money. We're doing this for a quality of lifestyle. It's a quality of lifestyle you can't imagine until you no longer have to get up every day and go to work. And at the same time, you're not fearful of not having enough income to live comfortably the rest of your life. When you know you have enough money to do what you want, when you want, where you want, with whomever you want, then you retire. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.